Sifter, the podcast. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming. Action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. As I mentioned on last week's podcast, Coda was my favorite of the 10 pictures nominated for Best Picture Oscar. Apple is now re-releasing it free from this Friday to Sunday, the 25th through the 27th. It'll feature open captions, so it's accessible to deaf and hard of hearing audiences. I haven't been able to find it on any of the local theater's websites, but it might be a good idea to check back Friday. This podcast goes in two very different directions and locations. First, right here in Richmond, we're going to talk with part of the team of the new VPM News Show. Then we zoom to L.A., where we'll meet the production designer with two big films that were just released. Launching tomorrow on VPM is a new news show called VPM, cleverly enough, News Focal Point. And I have two people who are involved in the show with me today on the podcast. I want to welcome first Angie Miles. Footnote. Anchor and producer Angie Miles has 25 years of experience as an anchor and reporter at WTVR CBS 6 and WWBT NBC 12. Welcome. Thank you, Jerry. Great to be here. Now, and you know, it's ironic because, of course, I was on Channel 6 for 14 years, but you yes. came right after I left, I think. So we never actually were at the station at the same time. That is correct. I think our professional interaction has been limited to some editing on projects here right, and there, right. yeah. but we never actually worked on TV at the same time. I know, no. I know. And for our other guest, Kairos Manzanaras, did I get that right? You did. Footnote. Kairos Manzanaras is a bilingual multimedia journalist who worked previously as a digital content reporter and producer at WRIC ABC 8 News. Angie, your title is Anchor. Yes, I am the anchor. I'm also producer, so I'm doing quite a bit of reporting in addition to the studio duties. That's great, because that means you're not just a pretty face on screen reading words. You actually have gotten your hands dirty. Well, if somebody thinks I'm a pretty face, I'll take that. But yeah, (laughs) it's, it's crucial to be more than a pretty face if you want to do quality journalism. Absolutely, Jerry. Karis, you were at Channel 8. What did you do there? I was a digital producer and reporter. So I was involved in all things digital. Pretty lucky in that sense to be well-rounded and really enjoy reporting. In case somebody doesn't know what that means by digital side or multimedia journalist, what exactly does that mean versus turning on your TV and watching? So your focus is going to our website and finding the information that you need there. You know, we're breaking news as it happens online. So you're the first to be on that story as the day goes on. You keep updating and contributing facts and more news. And as opposed to us old timers who still read the paper or still watch the news live every night. Yes. Where did News Focal Point originate, that idea? Where did that come about? Well, I'd say that really our chief Jamie Swain, who leads VPM, is the one who had the vision for this show, who wanted a way of really connecting more of the state, delving more deeply into important issues that affect all Virginians. You know, we have a heavy presence in the Charlottesville area, in Harrisonburg area, and Richmond, and we are looking more broadly at the state as a whole. But she felt strongly that given the need for quality journalism today more than ever, with people being so polarized, that we had an opportunity. And so here we are. How is this different from the old classic VPM? Actually, it wasn't even a VPM. It was a WCVE show, Virginia Currents. 
Well, Virginia Currents, which was a really good show with a good long run, had a lot of features. It did go around the state in the same way that we intend to do, but it was really more feature-y uh, arts and culture reporting. We'll have some of that, but we're looking more at hard news. And we're looking at the way public policy impacts the lives of real people today in the Commonwealth. So it's not like you turn it on to watch the news. This is actually features on something that may or may not be relevant at the moment. Well, I wouldn't say it's all features, but there's also harder news. So no, you're not going to see a lot of crime reporting. You're not going to see Kairos and I in our previous newsroom roles would call spot news or breaking news per se, right. unless that's related to public policy, politics, you know, broader issues, long-term issues that impact lives. Kairos, what about the multimedia journalist side of it? Are you going to be out actually shooting stories? Is that your thing? Or are you going to be getting them up on the web as soon as they come out? So this is a more TV-focused role. So I have already begun shooting some very incredible stories and getting to meet some good voices throughout our state. So we'll be showcasing those throughout the show. And like Angie mentioned, they'll have more of a hard news angle and focus. So the first show is coming up actually tomorrow if people are listening to this on Wednesday. What subjects are you going to cover on the first show that you know of at this point? So for our first show, we are going to be examining the issue of uh, indigenous land rights, protecting the places they consider sacred. There is legislation, or actually there was a pledge made by the former governor to assist with this effort to protect and secure land that is culturally significant or sacred to particular peoples, indigenous, black other people of color, and then throughout the first several shows, exploring issues related to refugees, education, housing, just the big picture items that people want to know about, want to talk about, and are trying to work through. Now, that all sounds very interesting and also kind of heavy. Are there going to be some light moments? You're going to have some more entertaining features, or is it going to all be more serious political bent? Are you suggesting that I should put on a top hat and tap dance, Jerry? That would that be hilarious. I'd love to see that. Both of you, you and Kiris together, do a little duet. It would be hilarious if I tried tap dance. Kiris, you want to speak to that? I will. Not the um, tap dancing. <laughs> I won't. I won't be tap dancing. So we will be casting the spotlight on several Virginians throughout our first season that have really made an impact on the lives of others in a solutions-based way who have found an innovative approach to a problem that they're seeing in their community and they're making it better for others. And I think those stories are very important to highlight because not only can you be inspired by them and also maybe do something in return for your own community, but just seeing them recognized on a TV show like ours will, I hope, bring more people to the forefront, right? More people coming with their suggestions on, hey, this person's doing something very interesting and right, kind of right. self-nominating in that way. Right. So it's more uplifting content, essentially, is what you're saying, as well as the hard-hitting. Well, that's great. That keeps it balanced. Yes. We are also representing Virginia in our staff. We have a very highly experienced and very diverse staff with a wide range of experience across the country and the world. And the stories that we're doing and the people we are covering also are more representative of Virginia, as we, we see so many stories that are monochromatic, so to speak. 
We are really excited about the opportunity to showcase many different voices, young people, senior citizens, kids, people of different faiths, people of different points of view, and give them an opportunity to tell their story. Roberta Oster, who is one of the producers on the show, was actually quietly listening, but when I asked that question, she just jumped on to help us with that. So thank you so much for that, Roberta. Footnote. Senior producer Roberta Oster is an Emmy Award-winning journalist who was a producer for two decades at NBC Dateline, as well as CBS and ABC Network News. VPM News Focal Point is the first Virginia-based program that is covering news across the state. And that is a very exciting opportunity. We are working to showcase stories from rural, urban, small towns, uh, bustling, growing cities. And again, we have not seen that kind of news coverage before. So I feel excited and grateful that we have the opportunity to be innovative as well in our storytelling and in the outreach that we have. Could I also point out that Keris has a really strong connection with the Latino community as well. And we want to highlight that, that we have a growing and diverse Latino community. And Keris is, um, we're fortunate to have her as a correspondent to make that connection for us as well. So Keris, tell me about the multimedia side of this. How's that going to be a little interactive-ish? Um, we are going to have a segment where we bring in the perspectives of Virginians from across the state. Um, we've gone around asking them specific questions relating to our episodes and asking them how they feel and just bringing in their voices, no matter how different their perspectives might be. Our show is a place where their voices can be heard no matter what they think. Okay. This has been fascinating, exciting to have a new show in town like this. I want to thank Angie Miles, Karis Manzanares, and our surprise guest, Roberta Oster. Thank you all so much. And we'll be watching tomorrow night, the grand premiere. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Jerry. VPM News Focal Point, or Focal Point for short, debuts Thursday night, February 24th at 8 p.m. on VPM. And new shows air weekly on Thursdays at 8 p.m. It'll also be available on demand on the PBS video app, as well as at VPM.org and their Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram accounts. Now we pivot to Michael Perry, the production designer of two recent released movies, I Want You Back, starring Charlie Day and Jenny Slate on Amazon, and The Texas Chainsaw Massacre on Netflix. I'm happy to be talking to Michael Perry. I assume you're out in L.A., is that right, Michael? Yes. Early in the morning for you anyway. Thank you. Good morning. Actually, if somebody who works on a film set, I guess this is not an early morning, is it? No, this is this is half a day. Yeah, right, right. Before I talk about some of the movies that you've been involved in, and there's an impressive list, tell people what the difference is between a production designer and an art director. Okay. An art director is the head of the art department. So he runs draftsmen, illustrators, and then he runs the construction crew on set. Right. So then in my position, I'm the one who sets the look for the film, but he's just one of many department heads. Uh, who carry out your vision. Yeah. So what is your background? Do you have an art background or how, where did you grow up? I do. Uh, I grew up all over the place. My dad was in the Navy. My last year of high school, we landed in Virginia Beach and I applied to VCU and got in and went through foundation before I chose theater. How was that experience? Did you enjoy it? Did you get a lot out of it? Yes, I did enjoy certain parts. <laughs> but as a grounding for a foundation that I consistently fall back on, right? it was great training. 
you've got a pretty impressive list on IMDb anyway. And the reason we wanted to do this now is because two of the things that you worked on have just dropped in the last couple of weeks. I've actually reviewed both of them already on my website. Yeah, I read those. Uh, the first one is called I Want You Back. That's on Amazon starring Charlie Day and Jenny Slate. It's a kind of a rom-com. And then the second one that just dropped Friday on Netflix was a new version of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So let's talk about that one first since we're kind of, since that sounds so cool. And the original was one of my favorite films. Now I noticed that it was shot in Bulgaria. Bulgaria, yeah. That deserted town, was that something y'all built or was that kind of something you found and just- Nope, that's the whole reason I did the movie. I got to build a town. Wow, the whole town with a statue and that cool period bus. Was that a real period bus? Or yeah, it was a real period bus that I found in Western Germany. That was close enough that we could send up flatbeds to get it. It wasn't working. We cleaned it all up on the outside and we put in one, two, three, I think three sets of seats. And then the back end was all the, we turned into the party bus. When action starts happening on the bus, I don't want to say much more than that. Did you mm -hmm. actually shoot that on the bus or did you have a, a soundstage where you- I had a soundstage where we <clears throat> reproduced the bus. Yeah. Right, right. And I assume that's the same thing like in the, the big house where they go in the crawl space and do all the creepy rooms. That was- Yeah, the crawl space was a set. And the second floor, her mama's room, things like that were sets. I, I want to be honest about this. There was a back lot there that had, I think it was like in a hurricane movie, something like that. It was supposed to be small town America. How much reference was there back to the original movie in terms of your design? And let me just say, I saw the original movie when it came out and was blown away. And it's still one of my all-time favorites. What was it about that movie that you tried to channel or refer back to? Because I know yours is considered, it's 50 years later, but it's the same basic premise. So there are a couple of things. The um, Chainsaw is the original. Oh, is it? Wow, cool. Yeah, the writer of the original, and I think he directed the third one. He had kept that ever since, and it was never used in another movie. Footnote. The writer of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre was Kim Henkel, a Virginian. He also wrote two others in the series. And so, is, it, is it practical? Did it actually really will cut, or is that a fake rubber? It took us a long time to get it to work, but it would turn itself off. It would be hard to start, but we tried to use it as much as possible. Obviously, anything they use when they were cutting stuff up, that's all. Yeah, we, we had like 15 different versions of it. You know, different links to go into bodies, you know, things like that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. There are some pretty wild ones in that. It's kind of fun. Uh -huh. uh, and, you know, it's interesting that we're talking about Texas Chainsaw because I looked at your website and you've got Hellfest and It Follows mm -hmm. and Killer Elite and Under the mm -hmm. Silver Lake. They're all kind of heavy, dark films. Has that kind of become your little niche? So, yeah, I always look for the R-rated ones, it seems. Uh, <laughs> I do have one that will come out on Halloween on Netflix. It's going to be boo? the big... Yes. Not everything you've done is dark. The other thing that's currently out, I Want You Back, is a rom-com. That's on right. Amazon Prime Video. Obviously, that was not shot in Bulgaria. That was shot in Atlanta. Right. And I noticed it showed off a lot of the sites. I'm like, that's a cool space. And I would grab my Google Lens and say, what is that building? Obviously, Atlanta is a big hub for production. Right. What was your concept for that? Because I saw some things in Atlanta that I didn't know. Oh, that's in Atlanta. Was that your goal? or? Yes. Yes. My first jump up to art director was Fabulous Baker Boys. Footnote. The Fabulous Baker Boys was a 1989 hit about two musicians, played by Jeff and Bo Bridges, as they team up with a new singer, Michelle Pfeiffer. So I started off with a rom-com. I had like five or six scripts, some of them really dark, some of them not, and then this little sort of happy jewel. And I'd only been back from Texas Chainsaw 
for a month and a half, maybe. I read this and I was like, well, there's no body count. (laughs) You need a palate cleanser. Yeah, exactly. I did need a palate. That's exactly what I needed. Like a lot of those cool places in Atlanta, because I'd worked there, but I never really experienced Atlanta as Atlanta. Right. So I just walked around and found these cool places and, you know, the vibe we wanted. It was all about trying to elevate everything so that it gives it a nice warm feel. So now what about Boo? Is there anything you can tell us about Boo yet? Here's the thing about Boo. My grandson will be able to finally watch one of my movies. (laughs) So I guess it's not a scary ghost movie then. It is ghost and things like that, but it's closer in tone to The Goonies. Footnote. The Goonies was a 1985 adventure about a group of young misfits who find a treasure map. One question I always ask everybody when I do the podcast is, what are you watching now? Oh, that's interesting. What have you seen lately or what are you streaming or... I've been, oh, well, I've been rewatching Pinky Blinders. Right. And the fifth season's coming up shortly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I thought, oh, I need to go back. <laughs> Going back, you're like, holy shit, this is complicated. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One thing that I have a friend who actually works in art direction out of Philadelphia, and he says he always does the films for M. Night Shyamalan. And yeah. he always gets to put one little tchotchke of his somewhere on some set do you ever have little easter eggs or a little special thing i I used to i used to it used to be an orange a lot of commercials are out there with literally a piece of fruit literally an orange right 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 footnote an easter egg is a hidden reference or inside joke that shows up in movies tv shows or even video games i mean we do easter eggs sometimes we do easter eggs for ourselves you know Mm -hmm. to amuse us Sometimes the other departments do that. If you watch I Want You Back, they go to a movie theater. Right. And on one side, it says Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I saw that. Yep. That was my guys. Yeah. Who put, it up, <laughs> put it up after I left set. And they'd gotten permission. So Promising Young Woman is probably the one that has the highest profile yeah. out there of your movies. And that was amazing because you got to get, create two different periods. What were the challenges behind that? There's actually a street, which I think I read that street was actually a legit street somewhere that you did close off for the scenes. Oh, boy. What can I say about it? It was the most fun, the most I've ever laughed. Wow. We had no time. The the coffee shop, mm-hmm. I had one day to dress that. And we shot and it. And you're talking period. You had to dress it for period. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's it? 70s, I guess. Yeah. It's near and dear to my heart. Yes, it got me much more noticed than anything else. I have two of them. It follows in that. So that was gratifying career-wise. Under the Silver Lake, we were in Cannes for the Palme d'Or. So only 10 movies in the world. And, you know, you get to strut around in a tuxedo. It's pretty cool. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of, that to me is kind of like a personal goal to have actually got that Going back to your experience here in Richmond and at VCU, what stands out about that for you? Going through the theater department, Ken Campbell, Elizabeth Hopper, and Davy Davis. Right. Those are the people that sort of laid the foundation for my design and for my history love. I still go back to the basics, research, understand what you're doing. Texas Chainsaw is a perfect example. It's a West Texas town. Why do they look like that? Because you would think they wouldn't be so ornate or anything like that. University of Texas Architecture Department had started up just as the World's Fair in Chicago opened, where it was all ornate, and they brought that back with them, and that became the style. Uh Uh-huh. 
All right, Michael, this has been fascinating. I'm sure people are going to find a lot of interesting information about what goes on behind the camera. And I want to appreciate you for taking part in this podcast. Thank you very much. Scepter Review of the Week. Inventing Anna on Netflix. Julia Garner plays Anna Delvey, who took New York society and the financial world for thousands of dollars as a purported German heiress. Anna Chlumsky plays the journalist who's determined to write a story investigating the reality behind the image. Each episode is primarily framed around one person's experiences, but the other plots weave in and out. The series was created by Shonda Rhimes based on the original New York Magazine article. So you'd expect steamy and sensational, but no, this is more reportage. The first episode spends most of the time setting up the journalist's journey with almost none of Delvey's fun. The subsequent episodes revolve more around Delvey and her incredibly decadent lifestyle, with some great fashions. Garner has transformed herself into this enigmatic character. She's both charming and diabolical. As the tale unfolds, the outrageous developments keep it interesting. On the downside, the narrative rambles slowly sometimes, especially the final episode, which is downright frustrating. This is more about the incredible character and the way she maintained her lifestyle than an involving personal drama involving any of the characters. I gave it three out of five stars. Coming soon. In theaters, Cyrano. The classic play returns as a musical directed by Joe Wright and starring Peter Dinklage in the title role. The Worst Person in the World, a Norwegian dramedy that's Oscar-nominated for Best International Film. Speaking of the Oscars, the nominated shorts in animation, documentary, and live action will also be playing in town. Studio 666, the Foo Fighters move into a haunted mansion to record their 10th album. Yes, a rock and roll horror comedy. I'll Find You, a love story between a Catholic opera singer and a Jewish violinist who are torn apart by the German invasion of Poland. In streaming and TV, after 12 years, the original version of Law & Order returns on the 24th on NBC. Vikings Valhalla on the 25th on Netflix takes place 100 years after the original series. Tyler Perry's biggest star returns in A Medea Homecoming, also on the 25th on Netflix. The fourth and final season of Killing Eve premieres on BBC America and AMC Plus on the 27th. Also launching its final season is Better Things, starring Pamela Adlon as a single mother, February 28th on FX. This year's Screen Actors Guild Awards will be televised Sunday, the 27th, on TNT and TBS. For more Sifter, including literally thousands of reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.